Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. The Zone. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Last couple of days of the month of August. The good news is it looks like the humidity is going to be a little bit less today than it was over the weekend. How are you, everybody? Fabulous farm babe, Pam Youngke. So glad you're along with us. Hope you did enjoy the weekend. Oh, boy, we're closer and closer to the beginning of school for a lot of kids. Uh, the dairy industry paying attention to that sudden demand for fluid milk. We're talking about it this morning. For today, it looks like the humidity is going to dissipate. That's the good news. Sunshine and 81 are expected high. Sunshine tomorrow and 80 degrees, but we've got more rain back in the forecast. Talking weather with Stu Muck in about 15 minutes. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at RuralMutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. While meat processing seems to continue to be a hot topic, Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And ways that we can catch up to all of this different being behind across the country in beef and meat production. New beef facility being considered in Iowa. Tell me a little bit about that, Scott. That's right, Aaron. Uh, we did need have to do some catch up last year when things kind of tightened up because of the coronavirus pandemic, where processing was concerned. And I'm not sure we even recovered since. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And some cattle producers want alternatives to the current processing industry. And one of those people is Chad Tedinger from Iowa, who's a cattle producer and an agribusiness owner. And our Bob Bosold asked him about how long he's thought about building a new independent processing facility, which he's doing, which is called Cattlemen's Heritage Beef Company in southwest Iowa. Well, I mean, in the back of my mind, I guess I've been thinking about it for 20 years, but uh, last few years certainly put us on edge. You know, we started talking two years ago, two and a half years ago, about uh, a processing plant. And imagine two and a half years ago, we couldn't even dream of what was coming yet. There would have been no reality of COVID and a fire and the disruptions in the market that just exasperated the problem even further. So for the last two and a half years, we've been working diligently, and um, now we're finally at the point where, you know, we've announced and we're uh, getting ready to break ground next spring. By we now, who is involved in the uh, Cattlemen's Heritage Beef Company with you, Chad? Is this part of uh, your organization, or have you got cattlemen involved here? Who's all stepped up? So what we have is I started the company, and I'm the founder, uh, obviously, and then we're going to be, we're still in uh, actively taking in money, investment money through farmers and producers. So our goal is to have a large portion of this company owned by independent cattle feeders. I believe wholeheartedly in the family farm, and I believe the only way to fix our problem is have the producers 
be involved with the pack so good decisions can be made all the way through going forward. Now, this is going to be a rather big operation. This isn't going to be uh, in a small town where you take a half a dozen steers a day. Tell us about the size and the scope of what you're going to do. So about a year ago, I uh, tasked a member of my team with just simply finding the best location for a plant in the Midwest. That's the only rules I put on him. He came back with a site by Council Bluffs that meets all our goals by large population. It's in the center of a lot of high-quality cattle. We will be processing 1,500 head a day, 400,000 head a year. What about the manpower you're going to need? I guess the technology you're going to have in that plant. I mean, with the COVID situation and you saw... Some of these other plants uh, around that part of Iowa and that part of the Midwest uh, having trouble getting workers. How are you confident that uh, you're going to be able to do this? So what we're going to have when we're done here, we'll have the most technologically advanced packing plant ever built, certainly in the U.S. anyway. And we are going to incorporate robotics, uh, advanced machinery that does a lot of the work. Um, We're starting with a high wage, a high earning potential with the employees. There's a lot of great personnel already in that Council Bluffs, Omaha area. Um, we're designing the plant um, spread out further. You know, you look at some of the older plants that have been added on to and expanded over the last, you know, 30 years. They were never designed to have this many people in them. We can fix that problem. We're starting from day one with a design that gives space in between the workers. So if we have another COVID-type event, we should be able to run through it because we're built in with the spacing and with the equipment to handle it from so, day one. So the employees you're looking for are going to be meatpacking employees, but also able to handle technology, and that's why you're going to be paying a little higher wage. It looks like uh, it's going to be a living wage. You're paying them, too. Yeah, so we just went out about it. What would we want to do? I think in this industry we've looked at uh, – in the past, it's hard to find employees. It's always going to be a difficult challenge. But when you start with somebody not being able to make a livable wage, pretty difficult. And, and I don't believe in that kind of business. So we set out with the idea, you know, 55000 a year starting plus, uh, plus benefits. So it's a very good livable wage. Uh, we are going to have uh, on-site daycare, on-site uh, banking, on-site uh, you know, uh, medical staff, nurses and stuff, you know, we just believe in if we put the right process in place, people will really enjoy and look forward to working there. And we want to create a family-style environment to work. What kind of a reception did you get not only from the state of Iowa, but from that uh, Council Bluffs Omaha area as far as putting this plant up? You know, in some areas... There's a resistance to this for the off-fall and, and different things like that. How has it been to work with the community and the state? The community has been just absolutely great. Very excited about it, um, very engaged. Obviously, a lot of questions in the beginning. Wanted to know, make sure we were doing it the right way, which means, you know, responsibly, the, a good business plan. Once we walked through all that, they were very engaged, very excited. The state has been great to work with also. Uh, the location, it goes back to the site we picked. It It's already zoned for this type of industry. This type of industry already exists in that area. So we made sure we wanted in an area that we could draw population to, to get a good workforce, but also that we weren't going to put it somewhere that people didn't want it. 
So we were very diligent in making sure that we had the right spot. What's your schedule as far as breaking ground to the time you cut the ribbon and start processing cattle? We are uh, pushing to break ground next spring, the spring of uh, 22, and to have it operational in the winter of 23-24. And as far as your supply of cattle and uh, the process you're going to use, we know JBS Smithfield, the complaint is it's a captive supply. They own their own cattle. Everything is on contract. Uh, how are you going to work with the producers to make this uh, something that uh, it'll be a little outside the box, so to speak, versus what we have now for most of our cattle? So what we're focused on is the small family farm, the producers. That's what that's who I am. I was born and raised in that style of operation, still uh, are in it today. We want to have 200 cattle feeders supplying cattle. Um, we're, we're, we're going to be about high-quality cattle. We want good, high-quality cattle and uh, going all the way to the ranch. We want to work the ranchers, then we want to work with the producers right to the plant. And we want all of them to have the opportunity, which they have the opportunity to own part of the plant at the end of the day. And uh, so instead of being on an open market necessarily, like instead of being the big four where it is a captive supply, we don't, that is owned by a few, we don't want anything to do with that. We want a lot of young producers owning cattle in this business. I, in my life, I've seen so many young men and women that love this business, that want to stay in this business, and in a time where we're seeing record demand and record profits, we should not have to be telling these young men and women that there's just no way to get into this business. It doesn't make any sense to me. So will you be going to some of the local sale barns and buying top-end cattle, or are you going to contract them right on the farms and ranches out in that part of the country? Are you going to do both or more than that? I'd say all of the above. There will be an element where we anticipate we'll contract cattle straight from the ranch, but the rancher owns his own cattle. We'll have a contract simply stating that they're coming through our system. Then we want the producer, the feeder, the cattle feeder up here in Iowa and then throughout the Midwest. We want him to own those same cattle. Again, the contract saying they're coming to us. So if we can have contracts with producer-owned cattle, that all this contract is stating that it's coming through our system and it's a certain kind of cattle, that we can make good profits and have great profit-sharing mechanisms throughout all the way back to the ranch. Now, you're going to start at 1500 a day when you get her up and operational. Is the plant being designed for expansion, and are you already looking at uh, hopefully being successful in, in expanding out over the years? We have designed the site layout. It is a single-shift plant, and we anticipate to always remain a single plant shift plants, but we do have the site laid out to expand the coolers and uh, fab floor that we could uh, just with increased line capacity on a single shift, yes. What about uh, customers for your product? Have you started that process already? It's one thing to bring them in one end of the plant, but uh, that finished product out of the processing plant has to go somewhere. Have you got that uh, process underway already, I assume? Yeah, we're in conversations uh, with a lot of retail and a lot of end users of the product. And the fact of the matter is, when you're talking about high-quality cattle, high-quality products from the Midwest, it's a high-in-demand product. So right now, we are talking to a lot of people. There's a lot of demand for this kind of a product, and uh, we anticipate no problem in that end of it. 
And uh, as we get closer to breaking ground next spring in the end of this facility, you, you're you in the cattle business, you're in the cattle construction business, so you're kind of, uh, you know what you're doing. you built a lot of cattle facilities already, haven't you, with your Ken Corporation? Yeah, we have a few hundred cattle confinements that we have built out in operation throughout the Midwest today. And, uh, again, you'll start taking cattle, hope to take cattle starting when, Chad? We're opening over the winter of uh, 23 and 24, so, you know, by the spring of 24, we're hoping to be able to bring cattle through the plant. And it's going to be called the Cattleman Heritage Beef Company? That is correct. And we wish you all the success in the world. Chad Tentinger, again, leading the effort to build that new processing plant out in southwest Iowa, the Cattleman's Heritage Beef Company, getting started uh, with the construction already next spring. I'm Bob Bosold. Wondering what the weather is going to be like today? Ag meteorologist Stu Muck will join us in moments right here on the Midwest Farm Report. You might think you're just pushing it. But speeding is dangerous, and getting busted is expensive. Fines double in work zones. Just five miles over? That can cost you more than $200, or maybe worse. Every year, work zone crashes cause injuries and deaths. But it doesn't have to be this way. Together, we can all save lives. Do your part. Eliminate distractions and mind your speed. Every driver makes a difference. Sponsored by the Wisconsin DOT. Hit your camping season out of the park with Fathead's Country Campers. Fathead's lineup covers the bases with small, lightweight campers that you can pull with your SUV to toy haulers that let you load up the toys and head out into left field. Fathead's Country Campers doesn't play games. You'll get the best price on every camper, every time, with no hidden fees. Check them out just off I-94 and Lake Mills or at countrycampers.com. That's countrycampers.com. Email from school. How about the incident today? Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And on a Monday, it's time for our Compure Financial Ag Weather Updates. Two Muck Ag Meteorologists joining us this morning. And I was mentioning some uh, rainfall reports that I got to, from central Wisconsin over the weekend. Uh, it's not exactly Hurricane Ida style, but boy, five to seven inches of rain in some areas over the weekend. Uh, rainfall reports are welcome, folks. 877 301 Farm. What else do you see as far as tallies from the weekend? Well, for the whole weekend, I've got you and Madison at 3100ths of an inch. 
And then you head over to Lacrosse to uh, an inch and fourteen hundredths, an inch and fifty two hundredths at Eau Claire, an inch and forty six hundredths at Fond du Lac. But uh, aside from rain that got kind of heavy out of this, we also had that very, very warm, sticky weekend that we dealt with. The good news is this week, humidity should start to drop off a little bit. Temperatures won't be quite as warm. We don't have the rain threat around. In fact, the next several days, we stay high and dry, enjoy some sunshine, comfortable weather, Although on toward late Thursday into Friday. That's when the next chance of rain may return to the area. The fronts finally dropped off to our southeast, lining up from lower Michigan down to Indiana, Illinois, Missouri. There are some very scattered areas of rain along that boundary well off to our south and east, so we should be staying dry. And even though Ida is going to push moisture up into the central U.S., I don't think it's going to be a big event for us, not add to new rainfall amounts or anything like that. But we get that somewhat cooler, less humid air for a few days. It's the end of the week, late Thursday, more likely Thursday night into Friday, that at least the chance of a scattered hit or miss type shower could return to the area. And that means a little moisture at that time, but not back to the heat and humidity of this past weekend either. So that can now start to become a bit of a memory. Well, it's still kind of sticky today, no doubt, but I think we do feel the improvement as we head on then into the next couple of days. I'll forecast details right after this. Wisconsin Soybean Association works hard to share the voices of Wisconsin soybean growers at the state and national level. And you can become a member at badgerbean.com. Besides a voice in Washington, WSA members receive free seed, discounted event tickets and products. Not to mention news on the latest in soybean research and technology. And being a member of the Wisconsin Soybean Association also makes you a member of the American Soybean Association. So join today at badgerbean.com and help the Wisconsin Soybean Association go to work for you. Stephanie Hoff here with the Midwest Farm Report. Join me for a new monthly segment on the Midwest Farm Report. It's called the Gempler's Test Plot, where this month I'll try my hand at harvesting and pruning my backyard fruit. You can watch and learn about the tools and gear to get the job done. Since 1939, Wisconsin-based Gemplers has been helping farmers, ranchers, and gardeners get work done smarter, faster, and safer. Follow along with me at MidwestFarmReport.com. All righty, Stu, let's have some more details on this week. All right, the Compure Financial Ag Weather update, including a little patchy fog, especially in west and northwest Wisconsin. The rest of us may see it more likely a sunny day today, low 80s. You know, 80, 81, 82 degrees. Winds out of the northwest about 5. We stay clear tonight. There may be some fog toward daybreak again. In the upper 50s overnight, the northwest winds at 5. After the possibility of fog, a mostly sunny day tomorrow, a little nicer in the upper 70s with the northeast winds 5 to 10. Sunshine mid and upper 70s on Wednesday. Northeast winds only about 5. Still sunny back to the upper 70s Thursday, Pam. And then that chance for some scattered showers sticking in again for the end of the week. Well, it would it would make sense. I, although I think for a lot of farmers that are anticipating an earlier harvest, we don't need any more monsoons in September. You know what I mean? Oh, no, 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 no. We did notice a field that had some wind damage uh, yesterday driving around, but otherwise did okay. Yeah, I I was uh, surprised. I came through by uh, Rosendale, Waupon, uh, and, you know, any any place right around that Oshkosh uh, north-south strip, and there was a lot of standing water in fields uh, right around there. So I think some of those those rainfall reports, you know, it's, it's always those localized events that seem to catch us, eh? Yep, that's how it works out. All right, buddy, we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks. 
You bet. Have a good one. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure.com. And, of course, your rainfall reports available. Talk or text our Midwest Farm Report, 877-301-FARM. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. Summer savings are yours at Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. Replace your water heater and softener in the same visit and get a $100 discount. We've got you covered 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for all your commercial and residential plumbing services. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. A name you can trust when service is a must. Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. I don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Norby, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. Often the road to home ownership can be uncertain, but by choosing the right mortgage company, you'll quickly get on the right path. I will make sure you have the best mortgage loan, the best interest rate, and lowest closing costs. You'll get the knowledge you need to feel comfortable about your buying decision. And MLS number 222-652. When your favorites start the game, you can count on a win. Count on Interstate All Battery when you need your car, golf cart, and outdoor equipment to start. Interstate All Battery Staying Power delivers more going power. One store for all the battery energy you'll ever need. Rely on the Interstate All Battery Center to keep you in a starting position. And always free battery testing. Just inside the Middleton Business Park. Interstate Batteries. Outrageously dependable. At Eastman Chemical Sun Prairie, they transform materials that improve your everyday life. Their global technologies create innovative products and solutions with specialized molecules that make housewares more practical, medical devices more durable, cars and buildings safer, and so much more. In short, their products matter because their employees do. Eastman Chemical is always attracting, developing, and retaining a diverse workforce. Look for your career opportunity at EastmanChemical.com. Apply online at EastmanChemical.com. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help with an armed robbery investigation. On August 2nd, 2021, at approximately 1.26 p.m., MPD officers were dispatched to the 2900 block of Commercial Avenue for an armed robbery. The victims were on the bike path when the suspect approached them. The suspect displayed a weapon and took the victim's necklace, cash, and AirPods. The suspect then fled the scene on foot. The suspect was described as a younger male black, larger build, last seen wearing a black sweatshirt, black sweatpants, and a black face mask. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact the Madison Police Department at 255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. 
individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can receive up to $1,000 in cash rewards for tips that lead to an arrest. Did you know because of the COVID recovery, things like trimmers and blowers are in limited supply? Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. So if you've got lawn and garden plans in your future, you need to get in touch with my friends at McFarland's. Now, the good news is they've got all the models you're looking for, and they're ready to make it curbside ready for you, or they'll deliver within a 10-mile radius around the store. Find out more at McFarland's.net or give them a call, 643 3321 When's the last time you reviewed your motorcycle insurance policy? You should call Prairie Land Insurance. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009, Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our Our best best is the the very very least least we can do. do. Well, we had you on earlier this week, Zach, and one of the things that you mentioned was injuries both on the offensive line, the wide receiver position, and running back. And you mentioned how potentially Jalen Berger's knee injury could make him the number two or potentially factor into how they use him. So it's it's not an injury per se. It is a condition, uh, Osgood Slatter's disease. I believe I pronounced that correctly. Uh, so he told. Uh, so I had heard about the, the knee issue last year, and I mentioned it to Jesse Temple, who is my co-host on the camp, and uh, I mentioned it to him, and he actually talked to Jalen on Monday, and, and that was was what it was. And what it is is it's a, it's a bump on your knee, and it can be very painful. It happens like when you have a growth spurt, um, and, and you're doing all these jump, you know, jumping and, and running, and, and so apparently it first showed up when he was a. Uh, senior in high school, and it was bothering him last year. Now, Paul Chris said that there was no pitch count for Jalen Berger, despite the fact that he, re- he never carried more than 15 times in a single game, and like it was 15 exactly, like three straight. So um, he he said that wasn't a coincidence that it was 15, but uh, Jalen did. So I don't. It's not necessarily a disease by. Or I should say it's not necessarily an injury. It's more of a, a condition that he's going to have to deal with. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's not. Um, but I. That's certainly. I think you can point to that as one of the reasons why he didn't carry more last year. And I feel like looking at the Wisconsin football team last year with Jalen Berger looking like the most talented running back in that room last year when he did get those 15 touches a game, that might make more sense when fans look back and say, why did that guy all of a sudden get cut off after about 15 carries every single game? Yeah, no, and... I don't think he's never going to be like a 25, 30 carry guy. He just doesn't have the body for it. But I think 15 or 20, and then you're getting involved in the passing game. The thing about him is, you know, him and Chez Malusi have similar body types and similar skill sets, and especially the ability to catch the ball. So I think they, they will, you know, they I don't know if they cancel each other out. They don't. They're both really talented guys, and I think they're one, two at this point. But I think a guy like Isaac Garendo, who is a different body type, a guy who's 220, but also runs a four. Three six or four three seven forty yard dash and can run twenty and ran twenty four miles an hour uh, this off season is a guy that I think uh, is going to play a heavy heavy role if he can stay healthy and that has always been you know a thing with him I remember back to the Rose Bowl when we were talking with John Settle the former running backs coach and this was uh, you know when Jonathan Taylor was finishing up and he said he said Isaac Garendo talent wise physically wise is just as talent is just as good as Jonathan Taylor like that's the type of player. 
he thinks he could have been, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And, you know, uh, we'll see if that's the case. I think he's going to have a big role if he does stay And he was one of the guys that was uh, given the opportunity to play a little bit last year, and like you said, he couldn't stay healthy. So we've talked about some of the injuries on that running back front. Do you have any updates on Danny Davis or Tyler Beach? Yeah, so we – I don't remember the day we talked. We we talked uh, Tuesday, I think. Um, you know, and we heard from Paul Chris later in the day that he expects Danny Davis to be good for the opener. He's dealing with a head injury. We all know the issues that he dealt with last year with the, the concussion that knocked him out of the final five games of last season. So that's always concerned, but it sounds like they're going to have him. And then Tyler Beach also, this, you know, uh, they expect to have him back. I, we uh, don't get to see practice, but we were able to, uh, when Paul Chris was talking, I was able to look behind him and see these guys working out. Tyler Beach was in full uniform. Um, and the other good aspect of that was uh, Logan Brown was also back, the talented five-star tackle who figures to be the backup at left tackle this year. He uh, had a head injury, but he was back practicing you know, towards the beginning of this week as well. So I think they're getting a little bit healthier. I think they're going to have Logan Bruss at right tackle, and they're probably going to have the offensive line that they want out there against Penn State. Definitely awesome news given how much they struggled to run the ball last year. Zach, season now eight days away. Are there any games on the schedule, aside from the obvious of Penn State, Notre Dame, Iowa, any sneaky tough games you see coming up? Is Army sneaky tough? Like I feel like everyone points to them all the time just because they play such a different style of football on offense, you know, with the triple offs. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's sneaky. I think like I don't think it's a guarantee. I like Usually the, the non-conference, you can throw your helmet out there and you're going to win three games, though certainly Wisconsin has played a little bit tougher, um, you know, getting a Power 5 team most of these years, and they're going, to have, they're going to be playing at least one Power 5 team in the non-conference every year through, I think, like 2050 at this point. Yeah, I can't wait um, for that 2058 matchup with UCLA. Zach, take it for what it yeah. is. I do think that this Army football team is sneaky good and much more sneaky yeah. good than comparable to, like, the Hawks team from two, three years ago. She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know what's sweet? It's sweet to know that the Wisconsin Sheep and Wolf Festival is coming back in 2021 after its absence during the pandemic. We're talking about it with Bob Black from Columbus, one of the organizers for the big event, slated for September 10th through the 12th at the Jefferson County Fair Park in Jefferson. Also, don't forget, today is the next Leaders of the Land Sustainability Series. Today, starting at 1230, they're in Waukesha, inviting the general public to to come and learn more about what farmers are doing today for sustainability in the future. The Gwyn Hill Organic Farm and Gardens is the guest uh, host today, starting at 1230. Find more on the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation website. I'm Pam Yankee. Now, from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Monday. So, 30th day of August, what can I tell you? Well, as far as uh, highlights are concerned, on this day in 1967, the first African-American Supreme Court Justice was appointed. Do you remember who it was? Justice Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, he became the first African-American appointed to the Supreme Court. He served until 1991 when he retired. Clarence Thomas took over his post on the Supreme Court. Another item about Thurgood Marshall's career is he was one of the attorneys that successfully argued before the Supreme Court in the Brown versus Board of Education case that became precedent-setting for the United States. Happy birthday also today to actress Cameron D. She was born on this day in 1972, and now you know.
hey, have you seen this on social media or maybe you've had somebody bring it to your attention? There is a TikTok video out there that claims farmers are being paid by the federal government to destroy their crops. I've had people email me and message me asking for clarification on this. Let me tell you, in no uncertain terms, this is absolutely false and a perfect example of why you cannot believe everything you see on social media or the Internet. Poor Steve Weller is Nebraska State Department Agriculture Director, and he's been fielding phone calls about this TikTok video for weeks, and he wants it to stop. He encourages farmers and agribusinesses to try to get ahead of this TikTok misinformation. Fellow farm broadcaster Susan Littlefield brings us an update. Have you heard the rumblings or seen the discussions about Nebraska destroying their cornfields? Well, it's not true. Social media platforms have taken and run with the idea that Nebraskans are getting paid by the government to destroy those corn. So I asked the director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, is there any truth to those TikTok rumors? No, the Nebraska Department of Agriculture is not paying farmers to take out their corn or any other crops, and neither is the United States Department of Agriculture. Steve, there's a lot of videos that have been floating around, some of them a month or two old, and now picking up on those social media platforms. Disheartening to know the work that some are doing in agriculture are falling by the wayside of rumors. Well, I've seen a couple of the videos that are out there on social media, and quite honestly, there's little to zero amount of truth in, in any of what I've seen. So I I don't know why the information would be put out in that manner. It's, I think it's just a good reminder for us to not always believe what we see on social media. And, you know, farmers and ranchers have been working hard to build trusting relationships with consumers for quite some time. And then videos of this uh, type that contain scare tactics and false information are really counter to building that consumer confidence and trust. So in the end, it's, um, it's not productive for agriculture, and it's surely not productive for the consumers. You know, what might have started out as a, as a funny joke on social media, on a, on a social app like TikTok, has definitely gone viral, and you're hearing from your counterparts all across the nation. Yes, I've taken a few phone calls from uh, Iowa, North Dakota, and, and others here in the office. We're fielding phone calls from Illinois and, and some Nebraska calls too. So definitely the uh, the social media is getting some attention and unfortunately it's driving calls to the department either from the consumers worried about uh, food supply and why we would be doing such thing as destroying crops. But again, rest assured, uh, the Nebraska state government, USDA, is not paying producers to destroy their crops. So, Steve, should producers that are on these social media platforms, should they be speaking out to what they're seeing and and, and reaching out to these creators to say, whoa, this is not true? Well, I would encourage that. I'm certainly not going to tell somebody to engage on social media if that's not what they want to do, right? But uh, if they have an inclination to be active on social media, I think it's always proper to to state true facts and and to contradict any falsehoods that they see on social media. I think that's one of the things that that agricultural producers can do to uh, to offset 
falsehoods, whether in this case or in any other case on social media. So, yeah, please engage in that as best you can as, as you're willing. And uh, we need we need the truth out there. I don't believe that agriculture has anything to be ashamed of for how we conduct ourselves here in Nebraska or across the United States. We supply high-quality, top-notch uh, food for us here in the U.S. and, and around the world. So we, we do things right. We are very productive, and we certainly need to stand up for uh, our product. So it may be time for us to put those farm hats on and talk about what's happening in agriculture and help to debunk all these social media platform rumors that we're destroying our corn here in Nebraska. Thanks, Susan. Susan Littlefield with the correct information about that social media misfit on TikTok. We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Well, judging by the puddles that I saw in a lot of farm fields coming back from uh, the farm, we definitely could use a few more rainfall reports. Use the Midwest Farm Report talk text line, would you please? 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. And don't forget, this week we'll be drawing a winner for the uh, next weather station, courtesy of Rural Mutual Insurance. Well, We're getting ready for school to resume, not just for the K-12, through but also for the college campuses. Wisconsin Ag Secretary-Designee Randy Romanski, along with Wisconsin's Economic Development Corporation Secretary Missy Hughes, visited my alma mater, UW-River Falls, to see the renovated dairy pilot plant that they've got there. Uh, UW-River Falls renovated its 30-year-old dairy plant to allow for teaching and training opportunities that should help graduates get a competitive edge. They are now estimating there are over 3,700 food and beverage companies in Wisconsin supporting more than 106,000 jobs. Out of the 11 largest food companies in the world, seven are right here in Wisconsin. We'll talk more about uh, what's happening with campuses, uh, restarting classes, and also a little bit more on how a lot of farmers are working to make sure school kids that are going to be back in the classroom have locally produced food that they'll be enjoying. More on that uh, coming up this week. So markets and overnight electronic trade this morning are a little bit mixed to start off our Monday. Right now, December corn trading down two and a quarter at 551 and a half. November new crop soybeans are up a half right now at 1323 and three quarters. The wheat for December, that's right now up eight and three quarter cents at 741 and a quarter. On Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese dropped six and three quarter cents to 140 and a quarter. 40 pound block cheese was unchanged at 175. Double A butter up three quarters of a cent at 170 and three quarters per pound. Currently, October milk in Chicago is up to 1656 100 weight. November milk is up a penny, currently at 1701 100 weight. Wisconsin's cranberry industry can celebrate, and their harvest hasn't even begun yet. Looks like this year, Wisconsin again will be named the National Cranberry Producer Powerhouse that it's been for multiple years. Right now, they're estimating that they'll harvest 4.7 million barrels of fruit this fall. 
The forecast marks the 27th consecutive year that Wisconsin's led the nation in cranberry production. The harvest projection is part of the approximately 7.9 million barrels of cranberries that will be harvested nationwide. Last year, Wisconsin had a crop of more than 4.6 million barrels, so even a little bit bigger today than it was a year ago. So Wisconsin cranberry growers can rest assured, even before their harvest begins, they are nationally the tops. I think they'll be celebrating a little bit. The Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival returns to the Jefferson County Fair Park Grounds in Jefferson September 10th through the 12th. What do they have to offer this year? Any special protocols we need to be aware of? Talking about that next with Bob Black from Columbus, one of the coordinators for the big show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like savings on select cat equipment and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Landscape Envy, that's what you create when you add Kalani Wash decorative stone to your landscape. Choose from our selection of multicolored stones for around trees, shrubs, and under decks. Plus, we offer gravel stone for walkways, driveways, and a base for patio bricks and retaining walls. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com, or you can simply pick it up at our awesome processing plant. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. And good-looking decorative stone. Hey, check the grill. The game's coming on. It's time to turn those Johnson Sausage Brats. And what a deal. You buy five packages at $6 each, and you get a package free. Pick up burgers, roasts, chops, and Wisconsin's finest cheese at Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. They're perfect for cooking out or eating in. Add your favorite beer, wines, or liquor, and eat deliciously. See johnsonsausage.com. Brats are ready. Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. Sure, she'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Boy, I am so happy to report that the 2021 Wisconsin Sheep and Wolf Festival is returning to the Jefferson County Fair Park in Jefferson. The date's September 10th through the 12th. Bob Black from Columbus, one of the key organizers in keeping that show moving forward. Got a chance to catch up with him and find out what the 2021 show holds in store for everybody, people in the industry, people that want to investigate the industry. Well, basically, we want to tell the story, and I think the sheep industry has one of the best and easiest stories to tell in the livestock industry, uh, especially in the state of Wisconsin. We're uh, pretty much forage-based. We have numerous uh, products that we can promote to the general public, from fiber to uh, meat. And uh, we're also 
pretty heavily invested in small businesses, entrepreneurs, artisans, small farms. Uh, we've really got a good picture when it comes to traditional agriculture and, and one that's looking to the future. I know it's kind of tough uh, in light of the pandemic and just not being able to get together with as many people as often as we might have routinely. What's your sense, though, Bob, as far as the industry growth? You make a good point. Uh, sheep are one of those uh, areas that's kind of easy for people to transition into if they've got uh, a little patch of ground. How are you feeling about the growth in the industry right here in Wisconsin? Well, numbers are a little hard to pin down. Uh, we have we don't have the same type of uh, census data that we've had in the past, but uh, I think I think we're in a good growth pattern. It's not uh, it's not fast, but it's steady, and I see a lot of uh, people getting in. In fact, I talked to someone at the state fair uh, just recently that was considering moving from California to Wisconsin and getting into starting a fiber mill. Which uh, isn't isn't unusual. We've got a lot of small fiber mills in, in the state, but uh, to see that kind of enthusiasm from a young person uh, was kind of heartening. For sure, for sure. Now, with that in mind, then uh, talk to me a little bit about the economics of it. You live that you and Carol every day. Are we seeing our wool fiber arts? You know, now that people may have gone through the pandemic, are more people interested in fiber arts and the great quality wool that we can grow? Tell me a little bit about that side. What you've witnessed, maybe since people had to stay at home. Well, um, again, I refer back to the Wisconsin State Fair where the uh, Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Co-op had a booth that uh, features uh, Wisconsin-made and other uh, wool and fiber products related to the sheep industry. And uh, we saw a decent year. People still are interested. They still want that stamp of quality and homegrown. Um, yes, I think it's it's... It's looking good for the industry. So now let's pivot and talk a little bit about the highlights that you're looking forward to for this year's Sheep and Wool Festival. Again, the date September 10th through the 12th. Bob Black from Columbus along with us. I'm guessing if you're like me, Bob, one of the best parts about the Sheep and Wool Festival is the fact, number one, that it's happening. Number two, you're going to get a chance to catch up with people you haven't seen for almost two years. Um, well, definitely. Definitely. We've got a great set of volunteers put this event together and uh, as you say I haven't seen them and they haven't seen a lot of other people for almost two years so that is an important factor the sheep industry is basically a very social industry if I can call it that I mean we've prided ourselves in the past on on getting together and being part of an educational system and uh, support system so yeah that's going to be crucial You've got not only live animals at the Sheep and Wolf Festival, we've also got a lot of fiber arts classes. Now, you mentioned uh, that the catalog is out. People can take a look at it if they like. Break down for people that might be new to what the Wisconsin Sheep and Wolf Festival offers, Bob. How can they get involved? Here we are already almost to the beginning of September. What are my options? Well, you can, if you're interested in the fiber arts, you still have the opportunity to choose from uh, 85 different classes provided by 41 instructors from across the country. We, those classes 
by and large, while there's a few of them that have closed because of enrollment, um, the bulk of them are still open. There still is opportunity. Just go online to uh, WisconsinSheepAndWoolFestival.com, and uh, you can go right to those classes and see what's still open and still available. And as far as the actual animals themselves, what's going to be happening there at the festival with the actual four-legged animals? We're going to go to a three-day tier of of shows, open lives, open shows on Friday, uh, junior shows on Saturday, and the meat animal uh, market lambs on Sunday. Uh, if you want to come out and look at some different breeds of sheep, we have the Hall of Breeds and the indoor arena. That'll be open on uh, Saturday and Sunday. You can watch sheep shearing demonstrations. You can see the newborn lambs. Uh, just got a lot of opportunities for people to uh, get a good glimpse of the of the industry. You know, I want to go back to the, the Hall of Lambs. Holy Moses, just about the time that I think I've got a little bit of a handle on how many different uh, breeds we've got in Wisconsin or around the upper Midwest, you guys surprised me with a few more. That's another one of the attractions to the, the sheep industry. People can find something that kind of speaks to them, if you will. That's correct. Very definitely. Have we seen what's, what's the new hot breed coming in? Well, I'm not sure what the hot breed is, but uh, there will be some interesting uh, and I guess quite a variety of breeds that will be there, uh, everything from East Frisians to Tunis. Uh, so, you know, bring the kids out, find out about how these breeds are raised and what kind of popularity they might have around the state. Just a wonderful educational opportunity. Thanks, Bob. Bob Black from Columbus, one of the key organizers for the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival. Back this year, September 10th through the 12th at the Jefferson County Fair Park in Jefferson. Want to find out details or get signed up for some of those special artisan classes? Go to WisconsinSheepAndWoolFestival.com. We hope to see you there. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Insulin, penicillin, the heart transplant. All of these medical breakthroughs were thanks to research. Research made possible with the help of volunteers. That's where you come in. The All of Us Research Program is asking for people from across the U.S. to share their unique health.